Welcome to When Fear Reigns, the podcast where we take a deep dive into your questions of faith. In this episode, we address that question every Christian has faced. How can I be sure the Christian faith is the right faith? Here's Dr. Parlow and Pastor Ben. Welcome to episode number two of When Fear Reigns. Very excited to have everybody with us today. Uh, my name is Ben Workentine, and I'm sitting here with Dr. John Parlow. Uh, we're talking about the the issue of Christianity against other religions. How is it is it believable? Does it stand? Does it hold water? Um, is it really the same as everything else? We're going to be talking about all those kinds of questions today. And I wanted to start, uh, John. Here, uh, it feels like there's a lot of options out there when it comes to churches and religions, and it seems to be growing in a number of options. Have you seen in your ministry those choices grow? Yeah, it's a, a great question. I would say after 30 years of ministry, I've, I've seen the same options. They've just become more popular. Growing up years ago in South Central Los Angeles during the 60s and 70s, which were pretty pivotal in our culture, um, you saw the, the rise of a lot of the Eastern religions. Certainly the Beatles got sure, into all yep. of that and the Kind of like the, the hippie crowd thought that was kind of a neat thing to do. Uh, and so you saw that introduced there, but yet I would say very safely during the 60s and 70s and I would say probably most of the 80s, you saw really Christianity still be the dominant force in culture. Even if you weren't a Christian, uh, Christian principles still dominated uh, the way most people believed morality was and what was right and wrong. And then when I entered into the ministry at the late 80s and, and 90s, you started to see things kind of shift. And I would say certainly today, you see the same choices I saw as a young boy growing up in the 60s and 70s. The difference is, is now they're more popular as we've moved into a, a postmodern, a post-Christian culture and a culture that is growing to be more and more, I don't know, probably aggressive toward biblical Christianity. I, I would say more and more people are, are moving away from Christian principles, although they still may claim to be, when you mine down that information, you find out they're not. And they're looking at other other spirituality. You know, we have the the top group that's rising right now are the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people who are not affiliated with any religious background. When asked on a form, what religion are you, they mark none. They now have become, I I think last statistics I've read and last research I've, I've taken a look at, one out of every four people in the United States is a nun as people who claim to be Christians have dropped about 7 to 8% since 2007. And then also in millennials like yourself yep. and Gen Z, a lot, a lot of the people that make up our congregations at St. Mark or campuses, they, uh, they're about one in three now. And so they're, they're walking away from religion, but they're very spiritual. And so they're taking a look at that smorgasbord of, okay, I'll take a little of this and I'll take a little of that. And so I think the Eastern religion certainly, and even Wiccan, has yep. made uh, a comeback in many cases. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say it's always been the same buffet, Ben, but it's it's become more people are eating at the buffet yeah. than they did uh, years ago, even uh, 20 years ago. Does that make you afraid? No, it doesn't make me afraid at all as a Jesus follower. What it does make me as uh, a leader in, in the local church is I have to be cognizant of that because my people are that I'm caring for and trying to disciple are probably being bombarded with temptations and options that it's likely their family, their mom and dad didn't uh, have to really face. And so I think it's a different way of equipping people and better equipping them because the mission field, our culture has changed. And part of that change is, yeah, they got a lot more options 
And so they have questions. The old Sunday school answer doesn't always work. And so they have to be deep. Which is why we're making this podcast. That's exactly why we're making this podcast. Because it, you know, you just can't say, well, Jesus says so. Well, he he does, but that's not going to work with the person who's never had any memory of the gospel and is really into Buddhism with a little touch of wicked. Yep. And you and I have talked about this too, about the kind of opportunities that come from a post-Christian world. There's, there's fewer and fewer people who are nominally Christian who are, have little attachment. I think that's one of the, the fastest diminishing groups are people who have, you know, some affiliation, but not really any connection. Um, and so as you're sharing, as you're talking about your faith, it's easier and easier to find people to talk to that need to hear that message. Um, and hopefully this podcast helps you feel bold enough to reach out to them and say something. Absolutely. Also with the whole idea of the, the world in your pocket in that uh, rectangle we call our phone, now people have more opportunities to uh, kind of peruse information and material that, you know, back in my day, you'd have to go to the library sure. to take a yeah. look at something about Islam yeah. or something about Buddhism. So, and that's one of our upcoming episodes is the DIY faith because yeah. there are so many resources that yeah. you can pull in. It's oh. not just church on Sunday. It's not just your local pastor. You can you can be listening to sermons and spiritual messages and content all week long reading. Uh, it's right there at your fingertips. And how do you, how do we navigate that? But that's a sure. different podcast yeah. for a different day. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like pastors have gotten a little bit behind the eight ball and maybe have done some damage in this area when talking about Christianity is the only faith. And I wonder if you've got some insight into maybe how leaders and pastors, Christian influencers, have gotten this question wrong and maybe hurt people accidentally. Yeah, I've certainly been guilty of that through the years. Um, You come out of the seminary and you come out pretty idealistic, but you also come out thinking that um, I'm right, you're wrong, let me show you how wrong you are, and that's not really caring for someone's soul. I just can't imagine you, uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's doing really something hard. like that. I'm such a touchy-feely guy who loves to take walks on the beach and, you know, loves butterflies and Q-tips. It's, that's, that's, you know, my, my big thing is, is today, one of the things that I see that churches need to do better in is to disciple our people. Now people say, well, we do offer Bible class. And, and I'm sure the people listening to me who are in the local church, leaders and lay leaders, yeah, you do offer Bible classes, but I, I still maintain that the number one place that we touch the most people with the gospel is on a Sunday morning or Saturday night or your worship services on the weekend. And so I've always believed that your messages probably in our current culture now need to be more didactic, uh, need to be more teaching oriented rather than just declarative. There's nothing wrong with declarative, I, I, but I think we need to help our people go deeper into their faith. And and in those, as you know, we do series, yep. in those, um, address some of the questions that they are no doubt facing or may have themselves or we have. We want to make sure that we're equipping our people so that when God gives them that opportunity, they at least have some semblance of an answer and know where to go for more information. That's one. I think the big thing today, and you've heard about it in the people listening right now, you're certainly you've read about it, and that is there, there's biblical illiteracy. Yep. Even people in the church don't know what the Bible really teaches. You, you read that some of that clickbait that says, hey, the, the top, <laughs> I do at least, the top, the top 10 passages people take out of context or yeah. that were never in the Bible. And you, and you read that and you hear people say that, especially often politicians or sure. Hollywood or people allegedly in the know, but that's not the case. So I think one thing we have to help our people get deeper into the word because that's, that's really the key. And the other thing is your attitude toward someone who maybe disagrees with you or maybe is not a Christian and is even hostile toward Christianity, 
don't look at those people as the enemy. Nope. I often look at them as duped sheep. Yeah. You know, Jesus died Victims for them. Victims of the enemy. Right. Yeah. But, I, but if I was raised in that home like that, and, and I was raised in a home where, where people were hostile to Christianity or were really influenced by a different religion, a false religion, well, I'm not going to look at that person as, boy, they're the enemy. Rather, I'm going to look at them the way Jesus did. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time with people who were not like him, yeah. and those people yeah. liked him. And yeah. I think that has to do with his attitude, as Jesus says, you know, share my word, be my witnesses. People will know that you're my my people, my followers, by how you love one another. Certainly the people of faith, but also those people far from Jesus. Jesus didn't attack them. He spent time with them. As we've said, he was, you know, his ministry was marked by uh, radical acceptance, but never at the cost of the truth. Yeah. And I think that's the way you kind of face it that way. You kind of walk down that road that I'm going to build a relationship with this person and see this person as a, a beloved and broken person of Jesus, but that person doesn't know Jesus yet. Yeah. I, I guess that's your attitude. But the first, getting back to the first point, we got to know our Bibles. And you and I have the privilege of doing this as a lifetime call. And yet, as you'll find out, as I have through the years, you study your Bible and there come times when you're teaching on a certain passage or a subject and go, oh, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm in my 50s Still now. discovering. I'm, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So that, that, that would be my, my two keys. Know your Bible and recognize the people you're talking to Jesus died for yeah. and they're duped sheep. Yeah. They're not dumb. They ask good questions. Uh, maybe the God that they believe in, even in Christianity, if they got burned, is not the, not the true God. I don't know how yeah. they were taught or who taught them. People... Maybe biblically illiterate, that, that, that may be a handicap for them, but they are ready to think deeply on some issues. They're ready to ask big questions and to, to dive in, and they want somebody to kind of be a guide along that way. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. Here at, at, at the St. Mark Ministries, we every other year will go ahead and do the secret shop or the secret worshiper. And one of the big feedbacks we've received now in the last, I'd say, five to seven years from millennials is just tell us the truth. Yeah. Please yeah. go deeper. We don't want an inch, you know, inch deep and a mile wide. We don't want that. You can get that from a lot of congregations. And are they telling people about Jesus? Yeah, they are. That's good. But not a lot about what Jesus actually did for them and what Jesus taught. And so it's the idea that that let's take them deeper. And they want to go deeper. Yeah, They want they to know, be. okay, if yeah. this is truth, how does it apply to everyday life? Relationships, yeah. financials, um, how I make choices. Yeah, yeah. You know, how do I know that the faith that I have, this Christian faith, following Jesus, how do I know that that is the right one? There's a lot of options out there. I've thought a lot about this, have struggled with it at times. And and I think there's really two ways to approach this question. One is more internal looking one and the other is external. The internal says, I know it's true because of what's inside of Christianity. The external is, I know it, it's true because of what's out there. So let's talk first about kind of the internal. I, I know that this is true. I know that the Christian faith is true. What would you say? What are some of the powerful arguments from inside of Christianity that really make it stand out? Boy, I would, I would say probably Christianity best answers the four great questions of our, of our life. The first one is origin. How do we get here? Where do we come from? Um, and as you explore that answer from a biblical standpoint, you, you find out Christian faith isn't blind faith. Certainly, science backs up what the Bible clearly teaches. Uh, there had to be someone outside of space, time, and matter 
who created all of us in an instant. You know, space, time, and matter came into existence. They're they had to come together. They right? had to come together. Yeah. And so uh, Christianity talks about that God said, and it was. And so I think it best explains what we can clearly measure in our science today and, and sees our origin, how we got here, um, the, just the complexity of the human body and 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 just marvelous things in that area. And then also meaning. What's my real meaning on this earth? It, it can't yeah. be consumption because then we would, uh, we'd all be happy with a Visa card and a buffet table. Yeah. But that doesn't happen. No. And now I, was, I guess I should say Amazon Prime. Because, yeah. you know, if it's just meaning and it's consumption, you know, we're, we're happy now. Yeah. And but, I think that's borne out by the stats you see, the happiness and I read this every maybe six months or a year, the happiness index, whatever that, however they measure that, in America is not great. And yet we've got wealth beyond I mean, three generations ago. Absolutely. They couldn't have imagined the Absolutely. wealth going on in our country. Yeah. And then the other one is is morality. The whole idea, there, there is a right or wrong, even in a relativistic society that says, oh, there is no truth. Uh, but what's right for you isn't right for me. To which I always say, is that a true statement? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and if so, why? But it, it, you know, it gets back to people know that living in a, in a culture, trying to live in a culture that says, Hey, you know, it's relative. You know, it's, it's up to each individual. Don't judge or that's really bad, which is a judgment, which never makes sense to me, but it doesn't make sense in a relationship. I'll go ahead and, and, and go and cheat on your girlfriend or cheat on your husband and then just simply say, well, what's right for you isn't right for me. It doesn't work. Go down um, 50 miles an hour in the 25-mile-an-hour zone of your local city. Please don't do that, but it's an example. Uh, and then tell the officer, hey, officer, what's right for you isn't right for me. Not going to work. for It doesn't work in any area of life. Tell your boss who hired you. Maybe it's your first job, your second job. You're really excited. You're out of college and suddenly they say, hey, uh, we'll see you at 8. And you come in at nine and you tell your boss, I don't do eight. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's not going to work in your life. So it's the idea of meaning, even in the much bigger areas of life. Like, okay, how do you use God's gift of sexuality? Um, how do you use the money that ultimately comes from God's? Uh, how, how do the big areas of life really work best? Because the God who created them is going to know that. And then finally, there's destiny. What happens when we assume room temperature? When we take our last breath? And that's what makes, I believe, Christianity unique. It's all really a, a movement around a historical event known as the resurrection. And I often tell people, as others do, listen, Jesus is the only person who walked on this earth who predicted his own death and resurrection, and then three days later pulled it off in front of countless witnesses, yeah. most of whom cried for his blood three days before. Yeah. So I, I, I would say it, it tells us, you know what, this isn't our home. You're not promised tomorrow but if you're a jesus follower you're promised eternity yeah what you have now you have eternal life right now you just don't get to enjoy it fully until jesus decides to transfer you yeah. so i would say it's those things it's origin it's meaning it's morality and it's i'd say it's destiny coming from inside of christianity those things can more or less seem clear to us but i think there's a perception from the outside world uh, people who did not grow up Christian or who are, you know, they've they've gone away from Christianity. Can you talk through, as you talk with people who are kind of in that category, and that's really a lot of the people that we talk to here at St. Mark Ministries, what are some of the myths, what are some of the things they're getting wrong as they look in at Christianity that, and, and maybe it's for good reason, maybe there's a Christian that they've had in their life that, that sure. did say this or did believe this, but you would say you're, that's the wrong thing to be talking about. That's, that's the the wrong question to ask. I get why you ask it, but it's the wrong one. Yeah, I would think first thing I would say uh, when they're look, examining Christianity 
either from a positive or negative uh, standpoint, is what are you looking at? I mean, a lot of times people go, well, I believe that because I got it on my Twitter feed you know, or a Facebook post or, or Snapchat or wh- whatever whatever uh, social media you, you choose to use. And, and I always encourage people, listen, don't, don't, don't believe me. Don't believe Ben. Don't believe Chris. I'll tell you what. Read your Bible. Take a look. Bring it to church. I don't care if it's on your phone or it's in your hand in paper form. Take a look. Read it for yourself. There's so much myth information out there, even peddled in churches today, Christian yeah. churches, so to speak. And so, first of all, go go to the source. Not everything on the internet, everyone knows, is true. Everything's got kind of a a, a, a point of view. Uh, just go to your Bible. Take a look. Get some good commentators. Yeah, uh, commentaries. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of good passages out there and a lot of good. Um, resources, and certainly we'll include those in show notes that, that you might want to use in your own personal reading and including this podcast. Yeah. yeah. But that's one thing. Make sure that your, your source of knowledge when you're taking a look at Christianity or trying to wrestle with some of the questions people have about it, make sure those are solid and reliable. And if you can go to first sources. The second one is, um, there, there's out there, and you and I've talked about this before that, that Christianity is wrong because of its exclusivity. Yeah. You know, it's yep. like, it's either the Christian way or no way. And a lot of times people say, well, that, that's not the case. We just need to coexist. You see that Bible, yeah. that bumper sticker. Yep. And, and one of the meanings of that bumper sticker is, you know, pretty much um, all, all religions are fundamentally the same. They're only superficially different. And that's what a lot of people believe. But generally, that's the person who probably hasn't read about Buddhism or the Wiccan religion, or Shintoism, or Islam, or the New Age movement and all of its various uh, sources. They're not. The truth is they're fundamentally different and superficially the same. Every single world religion, or almost every single world religion and worldview, is exclusive. You think of Islam. Islam believes it's the only way to Allah. And in fact, if you don't if you don't want to become a Muslim, then you've got to pay the tax. Yep. What's that? I forgot what that's yeah, called. I don't know anybody. Yeah. But you've got to pay the tax. But also, um, or you, you're forced to go ahead and, and convert in some cases. So they believe they're the only way. Judaism believes it's exclusive. Yep. It's got the only true God. You've got Buddhism that says unless you believe in the Buddhist tenets and you follow them, you're going to be eternally caught in the hamster wheel of reincarnation. Mm-hmm. So, most world religions are exclusive one way or another. Christianity is no different in that case. But Jesus made it very clear. It was both inclusive for God so loved the world, right? God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. But then Jesus also did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Truth in and of itself has to be exclusive. Yeah, it sure does. And I, <clears throat> I mean, I look around the world and I see uh, wars going on between Islam and Buddhism or Islam and Hinduism or Buddhism and Hinduism. And I, I see that uh, looking at any world religion and saying, oh, it's open to everybody and you can be uh, – that's kind of a – those are rose-colored glasses you're looking through because that's just not reality when you look at uh, the world. You look at people as they live next door to each other. And I would say – I mean we got to be fair too. It's not as though Christian – those who claim to be Christian have historically been – Spotless, right? Oh, no. You, you no. look at some of the faux pas in the, the well, terrible there's, there's some people that have used the, they've done incredibly bad things in the name yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens today. Yeah. I think of some of the health and wealth preaching today. And here, if you buy this healing hanky for 1995 and put it on your arthritic knee, 
you'll be dancing in no time. Yeah, right. there's a lot of that even today. Yeah, I mean, you think of, I just keep going back to, if you remember that uh, Bind, Torture, Kill, Killer, yeah. yes. you know, he was, was he a Sunday a, school teacher. He was an elder or Sunday school teacher yeah. or something in his church. So yeah. it, it is absolutely true that that people who claim to be Jesus followers have messed up. But I don't know that it's fair to assess a worldview based on how well an individual, how not well an individual has maintained that worldview or lived out that worldview. Sure. Well said. So <clears throat> let's let's go a little bit deeper into this idea that um, it's not true that all world religions are the same. You, I've heard you say this and I've heard other people say it, that the, the assertion is that they're all fundamentally the same, superficially different. Reality is exactly the opposite, that they're superficially, at best, they're superficially similar, fundamentally different. What do you see as the biggest fundamental differences from Christianity, between Christianity and, let's say, Hinduism or Buddhism or, or Shintoism or you know, Islam, some of those big world religions? Well, most of them, a big difference is monotheism, right? We believe there's one God, not multiples or pantheism. But the big one, as Christians would say, it's all about grace. Sure. It, in every other world religion, ultimately, and even worldview, your God, or you don't realize your God, you're discovering that's your God, and you either earn your own way to whatever you call heaven, or you at least help. It's kind of a WWE spiritual version of a tag team match, right? <laughs> but uh, and where Christianity, I believe, tells you the truth about yourself that I think every person ultimately knows, but then buries one way or another by callousing your conscience or or through medicating, self-medicating. Yeah. And, and that is, um, I suck. <laughs> by, by nature, I suck. I mean, people that say, I believe children are born... Little angels have never had kids. <laughs> That's why you always you always have to teach them to share, yeah. right? To uh, the go first ahead and word s- is no, yeah, no, and they they get they got gimme down pad and mine, and you're not the boss of me. Those all come out naturally. So it's the idea that Christianity tells you the truth about yourself that you aren't perfect, that your your natural uh, uh, your natural bent is to be selfish and yeah. self centered. I get that. I mean, that's something we fight against all of our lives and our our sinful nature, our old Adam. It, it, but Christianity is the only one that says, you know, there's there's a God who loved you so much that he took your place, that you're going to be saved, but it's not, not of your doing. Because, you know, Christianity points out, you know, you're spiritually dead, ignorant, and hostile toward God. You don't want naturally to spend any time with this God, and yet this God, because of his grace and love for you, wants to spend time eternity with you. And that's what's so different. Grace is that undeserved love that God gives us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Yeah. That's at mercy, right? He gives us instead what he wants us to have and something that we can't earn by any stretch of the imagination. And I would say it, it's it's a God of grace. It's, since we talk about fear reigns, yeah. we, we, fear, we fear this God. We have this awesome respect for him and awe because he's a holy, just God who loved us enough to literally come down, put on flesh, and die for us. And that's so different than than some of the gods you see, like in Islam, which is an angry God demanding um, certain obedience, or you see in some of the pantheistic ones that kind of make you wonder, okay, is there really anything out there, or is it just rocks and trees and, and the waterfall? And I think you hit on this. I, one of the incredible fundamental differences of Christianity, of the Jesus movement, is Jesus, the personableness of God. This is not a spokesperson from God. 
This is not a prophet. This is not someone showing the way, which you find in a lot of, I think, a lot of world religions, you find kind of that, that mouthpiece. But this is God himself saying, I'm going to live in your world. I'm going to live with you. I'm going to go through the same luck you do uh, so that we can be together. I, I'm not I'm not doing this just so I can slum it. Sure. Right. Yeah. I'm not doing this to make myself feel good. You find that in some of the Greek gods, they come down to kind of go through the licentious life, the worst kind of life. But this is this is God experiencing the worst of this world, uh, putting himself under that when he had no obligation to do that. Man, is that different? Yeah. God not coming down to, to use human beings for his own benefit. Yeah. That's Rather, good. God yeah, coming that's down for the benefit of human beings. Which is just mind-boggling, right? That the yeah. creator would be so invested in his creation that he would he would enter that creation. He would submit himself to it. That and, he would, And it's ultimately that love that that God has for us that motivates Christians, not only now but through the centuries, to, to risk even life and limb to share a message that by nature doesn't make sense to people. It's, as Paul says, it's called foolishness. A majority of Jesus followers in some age categories find it wrong to share their faith, to to tell other people about that. So at the root of that model is that there isn't really any difference between Christianity and other faiths. Can you help us look at that? The question that that study begs, what is the urgency? If, if Christianity, if following Jesus is so unique, it's so different, what is the urgency in your perspe- from your perspective in sharing that and telling other people about that? Probably in one statement, I'd say uh, the urgency comes from the fact that funerals happen. <laughs> <laughs> they happen every day. You know, I've I've been, been done this now for about thirty three years. I can tell you, Ben, as you'll learn, um, when you're preaching at weddings, you know, weddings happen too. Not as much as they used to, but they happen too. Uh, rarely do people listen a lot of your sure. wedding sermon. Yeah. A lot of times, the, the couple that are like two months away from getting married, they'll listen. Okay. Yeah. At a funeral, no one dozes off during a funeral. <laughs> Because they actually picture themselves, and I often mention it in, in the funeral message, you're going to be here at some point, yeah. unless Jesus comes back before you die, but you're going to be here. And the fact that people drive past funeral homes, whether they want to acknowledge that God exists or not, or that the resurrection actually ha- it does play on their minds, because they know at some point you're going to be there. Uh, anytime I've been near a, a deathbed of a person who has not had a relationship with Jesus, but they've asked me to come up for one reason or another, suddenly they're they're very... They're very attentive because they know that that day is going to happen. So I, I understand that as the urgency, you know, as, as the scriptures say, your, your life on this earth is like a mist. It, it's here today, gone in an instant. And I do think uh, as much as people want to either self-medicate that away or just try to ignore it because it's not politically correct or they just don't want to deal with it because they want to wait until they're older, whatever that is. Yeah. That's the urgency. Funerals happen. Yeah. I don't think about that certainly often enough. It is that that the final date it does give some sense of urgency. Well, just just recently, you know, and we have these at other times. You, you have pileups because of bad weather. Yeah, did a young man die? Did you think he thought he was going to die at age thirty? Great school teacher, but in a horrific accident of one hundred thirty-one cars, yeah. he loses his life. Yeah, probably on his way to work or from work or. It's going to some function. But he didn't expect this was going to be his last day. And that's the thing. We don't know when our last day is going to be. We do know that eternity, at least from a Christian standpoint, is going to follow. And I think that that urgency, and when you read about that or you have a friend who uh, accidentally ODs, 
or you have someone who is uh, a friend that's serving in the armed forces and is, is killed overseas, that comes back to comes back right to your forefront, realizing death is going to come to your doorstep too. So that's the urgency. At least I see it. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I think there's a there's an innate sense in all of us. We've talked a little bit about world religion today, but even the the humanistic or the atheistic agnostic worldview that says that death is the end. Man, I just don't see that when I talk to people of that that real that doesn't seem to connect with reality. We all have a sense that, or I think most people have a sense, even if they buried it that death is not, there's something that comes after death. Now, there's a reason that throughout human history we've had that narrative, not because we're looking for meaning, because while it does give meaning, it's not the only thing that does, but because we sense that there is more. We, we sense that, you know, an accident on the highway that takes the life of a young man, that that's not the end of the story. Sure, yeah, it's not. It's just really, in a certain sense, the beginning of eternity. Right, right. So what advice would you give uh, to somebody who's trying to sh- trying to balance um, as they see the urgency as they come on board with that they're trying but they're trying to balance being bold being moved by that fear that that healthy and and emboldening fear of God with trying to be tactful uh, I've heard somebody say this recently that they're they're trying to make sure that the door stayed open so that they could witness but at some point you got to Go through the door, right? How do you how do you kind of make that that judgment call when you're in a conversation? Now's the time. Now's this is when I need to share my faith. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I mean, obviously you're going to tell them to live their faith, and they've done that. We're assuming that yep, they've done yep. that. And and I think that in living your faith, you know, one of your prayers is, especially if you're in an area where you have a lot of people who don't know Jesus or are far from the gospel is ask God for opportunities and then give you the wisdom to actually take them. You know, uh, I, I, one of the things I always suggest to people is uh, um, we, we give away cards here and just simply saying, you know, one of the things that's really helped me through this situation that you are going through right now is X, Y, or Z. And, or maybe right now in our church, we're going through this series and, and here's a card. You certainly welcome. I, I'll, I'll, I'll join you. Or as you and I know, and are getting ready to do not only launch this podcast, but also um, go live streaming. Say, okay, maybe you're not comfortable walking to a place that yeah, you don't know yeah. anybody. You're afraid they're going to lock the doors, take two offerings, and throw Bibles at you. We, <laughs> you know, and they don't look like you, and they're going to sing things, and you yeah. don't know how to act, and you stand up at the wrong time, and all those things. But it's 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 just simply saying, let me give you some resources to help you with something you're telling me about. Maybe it's a, a child that's not listening. Maybe it's a, a husband that's sick. Maybe it's some financial difficulty and, and we can help out in some way. So I, th- I think pray that God will give you opportunities for that. Have tools as churches. The easiest tool is a small card the size of your business card with your information on one side and maybe a tagline on the other. Just to always have that in your purse or your coat or your wallet. Yeah. I, I think that's extremely helpful and it's, it's not aggressive. It's it's not uh, you know fearful. The other person just says, "Hey, listen, let me help you." And the fact that say, "I'll pray for you," yeah. And realizing it's it's not going to be one thing and done. That person's going to be in the church the next time singing the songs or listening to the message. It's likely going to be a relationship, and it's going to take time to build the bridge. And then it's going to take time to go over that bridge. And God's got His own plan on that. And maybe you're just the one who plants the seeds. 
Or you begin with someone who's skeptical and you're just putting a stone in that person's yeah, shoe yeah. to give them some, something to think about. Don't think you have to eat the whole cow That's correct. in one sitting. Right. Just share share a little bit. Share, right. Be upfront about your faith, but don't be over the top. Don't right. be. And, and offer resources and, and things that can help that person in their time of need. Because generally those discussions happen when someone's got a crisis and then now suddenly you can step in. Maybe you've had the same crisis. That's one of the reasons God gave it to you. Yeah, yeah. And you can go, oh, I've been there. Yeah. Or I have trouble with a child or boy, my marriage is not working out and, and maybe just, just coffee or, or, you know, whatever you can. Or, you know, you give them a card and say, listen, this is what we're going through right now or invite them to watch online, like we said. And I think what you said there is really key. Your, your struggles don't shy away from them. God, God doesn't waste that opportunity. Whether, you know, my family, we've lost a child just recently. Mm-hmm. You've had, you know, all kinds of things happen in your ministry and your life over the last 30 years. Uh, struggles in your marriage or some sort of addiction problem, you know, uh, doubts and questions. Don't hide those away because I think at least I found and you probably found this too that those are some of the most personal and meaningful connections when you connect over that. That struggle yeah. or that crisis. And it says something to the people who who are maybe nominal in their Christian faith or are searching when they see Christians aren't perfect. Yeah. That they see that we're transparent and we say, yeah, I struggle with that. Yeah. Or, you know, I got questions in that too. That's It's one thing to go, oh, I, I just don't get that. And I don't know why God allowed that. And it's another thing to say, I think I don't think God knows what he's doing. He obviously yeah. is in, in control. Those are two different issues. But I think it's helpful when people see Christians are growing in their faith. They're discovering things that they didn't know. They, uh, they're they working on things that they struggle with. I, I think that's good for people to see. What have been your struggles? What Like your doubts or, you know, we talk a lot about as if the answers are all kind of falling into place. But a lot of these answers that you've come to, the conclusions that you've come to are hard fought. I guess some of the struggles I've gone through, and, and we'll, I know we'll talk more about this down the road. Jesus gave us a mission. He gave every Christian here, every Christian church listening or, or using this podcast, the same mission. We're to, as we're going about our lives, having gone, we are to make disciples of all nations and then using the means of grace he's given us, uh, word and sacraments. Okay. Uh, that's great. But so often, how we get that done, it has become more important in churches. Mm. And, and often people will say you're supposed to marry the mission, but only mildly date the method. And what I've struggled with in Christianity, and among Christians with whom I even agree, so often they have either consciously or unconsciously married the method. We can't change that. That's the way we've always done things. We can't do things differently. And then only end up mildly being involved in dating <laughs> the mission. And and that's harmful to them. That's harmful to their impact in the community from a human standpoint. And it's harmful, I think, to the people within a nine-iron golf shot of their homes that don't know Jesus. So that's one thing I really struggle with. The other, the, I think, the theological one would be in eschatology. And that is, if I'm God, I already pushed the big red judgment button a long time ago. I don't know. Every Every generation says... You know, I can't get any worse. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. That was a great time to be a little boy (laughs) and going into puberty because everything was running around. People were in bell bottoms and, you know, it was all the, all the, you know, free everything kind of thing. And it's like, that was quite a place to, to grow up and see all of those things. 
but you see a steady decline. And I know my parents are going, oh, I'm sure Jesus is around the corner. Oh, it can't get worse. Yeah. You got the Beatles for crying out loud. And then you got this stuff called rock and roll. And I know in the 50s, they had Elvis and all of that stuff. And now we move into the 70s. And obviously, if there was not a sign of the end times, it had, I think it had to be disco. I can't find that in the Bible. But, but at the end of the 70s, listen, I graduated then from high school. If if I think that disco was all the devil's doing it, but he just played his hand too too openly, so people caught on. <laughs> but in, in seriousness, it's always now you get to the point where we just had we just have people in our government, uh, senators and um, representatives, as well as governors of states, say, you know what, we're not going to vote to go ahead and say that a baby that's born alive after a botched abortion should be taken care of. Yeah. We won't even go that far. What have we become where you have some people advocating that uh, the child might be a biological being, but it's not a person, and it can't be a person until, let's say, that child is cognizant of uh, certain needs or has some semblance of intelligence. So as one person who really, um, I think it's Crick's, uh, discovered the DNA, he yeah. says, at one time he said, you know, I think we should be able to kill children up to two years of age. And then he corrected himself. He said, I'm sorry, I mean three years of age. <laughs> okay. We're in that world. I'm thinking to myself, and I know it, I know it kind of mirrors first century Greece and Rome yeah, and yep. all of that. If I'm Jesus, I'm already pushing a button. <laughs> so that's, I wonder why, Lord? Yes, I know theologically he's a God who's giving a chance to, for others to come to faith in him. I get that. But I struggle with just push the button. <laughs> That's my struggle. Yeah, I think, and and you hear that a lot of times in older generations who are who are looking at long history. They've got a lot of experience, a lot of maturity, and they say this is this has gotten worse. I think for our young audience, for our you know millennial and Gen Z, I think it's one of the most exciting times to be a Jesus follower. Because there are so many opportunities, there are so many ways to make a big impact on our world and and really bring um, Jesus into the public forum and say, look, it's better when you hear what Jesus has to say, when you apply what he has to say. And we have – in a world where 90% of people are, are Jesus followers or at least nominally, you, you can't make as big of an impact. We get to. We get to be a candle in a really, really dark room, a darkening room, which is very yeah. cool. The whole idea of salt and light is is very much in your generation and, and the younger one uh, more applicable, at least practically wise, than it was in mine. I mean, everyone said they were a Christian, yeah. and, and everyone went—not everyone, but more people went to church. Today, you're right; the younger generations can be incredible ambassadors and witnesses. Uh, they use—they really leverage technology. Uh, I, I see them as more relational yeah. than certainly I am, and maybe my generation as a whole is. And, and yeah, you're right. Uh, God certainly has has used them. Will continue to use them, and they can do some incredible things. And I hope, I hope we can help them reach that. Yeah, from the from the kid who's going through high school, um, you know, and seeing things that I I didn't even see. I mean, I'm I'm not that old, but I didn't see those kinds of things. And going down the hall in high school to the college student, you don't you're not you're not arguing with you know if your philosophy professor kind of fits that stereotypical mold, you're not arguing with them by yourself. You've got a wealth of information. Uh, to the young family who's really trying to, you know, we've all got really cool places and, and on up, right? I'm not trying to say that, that, that older generations, but they have opportunities too. Um, I've seen my, my own grandfather witnessing to his caretaker in the nursing home mm-hmm. and sh- she's now sitting down to watch sermons with him because he's been working on her, right? We all have really cool opportunities to bring that 
to take somebody from that fear, that debilitating fear into this fear that really sets you free and allows you to be who you are, that, that captivates you and gives you meaning and purpose of as we've talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us today on uh, When Fear Reigns. Uh, we hope that our time together today has made room in your life for that fear to reign. Thanks so much for tuning in on episode two. We'd love your feedback in the form of comments and likes. And if you liked our discussion today, be sure to share this podcast with someone you know. We'll see you next time on When Fear Reigns.